It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. Boys are back, baby. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Perception, the show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Coe, Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception Perception, the show. All right, man. Football is back, baby. Week one is now almost in the books as we record here prior to the uh, Monday Night Football game. Uh, Matt. Look, it's great that football's back. I love that football is back. But my God, we saw some bad, bad, bad quarterbacking here in week number one, man. Like, I know a lot of these dudes don't, like, play in the preseason. But golly, there were large stretches of week one where it felt like the preseason. I have a couple of thoughts on this. Um, You're right. We got bad quarterback performances. We got bad quarterback performances from, like, some dudes we thought we'd get maybe questionable quarterback performances from. So there was like right. some to be expected. Then there was some like Justin Fields. Where we were like, oh, maybe there's optimism that he can take a step. Uh, it didn't look like he took a step. I will say the quarterback on the other side of that game, uh, Jordan, Jordan Love, Love yeah. actually played really well. But then, yeah, so there was one guy, like a guy like Justin Fields. And then there was established guys, right? Like Joe Burrow. We got a disaster oh performance from Joe Burrow. So – it was really at every level of the quarterback spectrum that we got rough performances from. And yeah. I've been waving or maybe like waving the flag or sounding the alarm bell that at some point I just feel like, and the Bengals are actually a great, a great example of this, but maybe a really extreme example because not only do they not play guys in the preseason, which I just think has to impact like at some point all of these teams that <laughs> yeah, don't play right. in the preseason for like sure, for sure they, there's got to be something to it, but then it's not an it's not a blanket thing and with the Bengals too Burrow's like banged up every offseason he's coming in with like yeah. some sort of injury thing so does he just is he extra rusty is there anything to the fact that he almost always starts slow a little bit uh so <laughs> I I don't I don't know but the one big takeaway I had from preseason or excuse me the one thing i took away from week one on this topic is i'm not so sure that we just got a bunch of bad quarterback performances but rather unusually we got a bunch of really really good defensive performances Hmm. and usually it's the other way around because true right you know normally offense has a leg up on defense this week one you know, several of the offenses that we're going to, we talked about where uh, the Bengals are a great example. You go back and watch like what happened to the Bengals? Why are the Bengals bad? Well, the team on the other side of the ball is what happened to the Bengals. <laughs> the Browns <laughs> kicked their ass. I mean, Miles, Miles Sanders, Garrett, Miles yeah, Garrett Miles. was just like, golly, one man wrecking crew completely wrecked the Bengals game plan. You're right. Miles Garrett was a monster. Um, you know, new defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz was calling heaters. I mean, mm-hmm. that was a passive uh, and not a 
not a fierce defense at all last year. And I think they yeah. hired Jim Schwartz because they wanted to be more attack oriented and more pressure oriented. And that was 100% what happened in week one. So that was a surprising defensive performance. I think the Texans, like, I got a bunch of Titans fans pissed off at me because I suggested that the Texans would be better than them in the division. Now it was a bold prediction, okay? Sure. So sure, let's remember sure. that. It was a bold prediction. I'm not <laughs> I'm not I'm not the Texans guy, but part of the okay. optimism here was that I think their pass defense is going to be better than people think and they were really good in week 1. I, Will yeah. Anderson was awesome in that game against the Ravens. So and we you know we could go further and further down the list, but just a few really good standout defensive performances. Uh, in week one that I think thwarted some of these bad quarters, created some of these bad quarterback performances. So there was that. And then there was whatever the hell those chargers were doing, which was not good defense. So (laughs) no, that was all (laughs) terrible and awful. Uh, Hey, you know, just to kind of like, I think both things can be true though, Matt, right? Mm -hmm. We got bad quarterbacking and we got great defense, right? Like generally what we see in a good game, right? Is good defensive players like miles Garrett doing like the crossover dribble before he like just wrecks the center or guard. Right. And like, it's great defensive performances, but then what's the counter punch. Right. So like, that's why I'm saying both things can be true where generally when you've got great quarterbacks, they provide that counter punch or a great defensive player will give you a counter punch or whatever it might be. Right. That's what we get when we have good games is, you know, one team's going to make a statement. The other team comes down. They make a statement. You know, what I mean, so it's it's a it's a it's a punch and counter punch situation. When we're talking about the offense and defensive side of the football, and we just didn't get that in a lot of spots. Man. No, it was just it was just ugly, ugly stuff. Um, anyways, but regardless, it's good to have football back, man. Um, I thought today uh, would be a, a great opportunity to talk about some guys that. Gave some uh, eyebrow-raising performances, man. Uh, Calvin Ridley, Michael Pittman, Jacoby Myers, Puka Nakua. Hello, hello. Uh, I want to say, I want to ask you uh, at some point in the show, buy or sell Puka Nakua, uh, because this dude absolutely came out to play. Uh, and then I thought it'd be fun to talk about some lies that they mm. sold us. And when I say they, of course, I'm pointing at myself and and all of us people in the in the football media landscape. Okay, but lies that they sold us this off season. Uh, we're definitely going to talk about Baltimore. What the hell happened with Lamar um, and, uh, and 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 Atlanta? Oh my God, oh, Drake God. London zero point zero. What is golly? What's going on? Anyways, uh, I want to. Hey, start I have right to ask this. you: Did you have yeah, did you have any Drake London plus T Higgins teams? Because oh uh, my God, a combined I, zero yards from London and T Higgins. Are you kidding me? Unreal. I, I don't have any, but there was a few that was sent in the. Di- I have like sprinkling of both guys, but never together. together. Um, I did. I did. Someone oh, that's in a league God. of mine that's a. Uh, you would know the name had, in a league that I play in had uh, Sky Moore, had uh, Christian Kirk, oh, had, God, no. uh, had had Drake London. No, uh, so yeah, it's it's rough out there in the streets, man. You know, Dallas Goddard puts <laughs> up a zero, funny. but yeah, I, I had somebody funny. in Discord send me a screenshot that that someone yeah, they know man. had T Higgins, Drake London, and Dallas Goddard, and I'd be like, damn, three zeros in week one. I I think I might just quit. I, I don't yeah, know, man. You just got to retire. Yeah. 
that's so rough. Uh, but let me just start with Calvin Ridley, man, because we had talked about Calvin Ridley uh, ad nauseum at, at some point uh, this offseason, multiple spots in the offseason here. And I'll, I'll just go ahead and say, uh, a mea culpa is being issued over here in Camp Co. Okay, because my God, I had question marks as to whether or not I, I even I even threw out this grandiose term of you got to respect the game. Okay, <laughs> respect the game. Dude's been away for two years. You got to respect the game. He can't just come back and just do this thing. Yes, he can. So my bad for everyone listening out there. All right, my bad. I own it, baby. Calvin Ridley. He, I mean, it's the John Wick gift, man. Like, yeah, I'd say I'm back. You know, like this dude is all the way back, Matt Harmon. All the way back. And it was apparent from the moment go that, you know, in, in preseason, right? Like they were dialed in on Calvin Ridley and you kind of had to yeah. wonder like, all right, is that going to be, uh, is that going to carry over to the regular season or are we going to see sort of just more of a spread it out attack you know, right. and, and and they're just trying to get Calvin Ridley back in the swing of things. Uh, no, <laughs> it, <laughs> no, it was going to be all Calvin Ridley all the time yeah. for the Jacksonville right. Jaguars. Four catches for 41 yards and a touchdown on the first drive of the game. I know for the Jacksonville crazy. Jaguars. And, you know, there was the like a deep curl route that Calvin Ridley ran where he put the corner in a blender. And, you know, when I, I say all this stuff, I know the Colts cornerbacks are like a bunch of you know undrafted and like lower drafted guys you know um shout out to them but you know not not great players in the secondary for the colts i get that but still that deep curl route where i I actually retweeted it this morning trevor lawrence is he gets pressure but his eyes never leave calvin ridley there is so much trust between kevin uh, between calvin ridley and trevor lawrence because he just knows this route's going to come open. Okay. This, my guy is going to win this route yeah. in man coverage. Right. He's going to come open. So I can just keep eyes locked on him while I evade the pressure, reset my platform, throw off one foot, and I'm going to get it to this guy because he is that type of receiver. He's the number one receiver. Uh, Calvin Ridley ranked sixth so far in week one in first read target share. Like he's okay. all the way, he's all the way back according to fantasy points data, sixth in first read target share. And, and it's just, yeah. man, he's, he's that dude. And again, the, the trust between these two players, they, uh, they looked like Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley looked like two guys that had played together for like two or three seasons. Exactly. That is what was surprising. I knew, look, I've been on Calvin Ridley all off season. I ranked him ahead of consensus. I've mm-hmm. talked about how he was on that Stefan Diggs trajectory prior to uh, mm. leaving the game. But still I had faith in Calvin Ridley and I have faith in Trevor Lawrence as an individual talent. But yeah. what was so impressive to me was just like right away, these dudes were locked in locked in like they've been playing together for years. I mean, it was crazy. It's crazy. Uh, 11 targets, eight catches, one Oh one and a touchdown. And, and can we be real here? Like that could have been, um, he could have put up 200 if they wanted to, you know, if oh, they, yeah. if they really wanted to, they could have put up 200. Uh, they took their foot off the gas, I think in the second half. Um, and, and, and you know, ultimately all, almost all the damage that Calvin Ridley did was in that first half, but it's just so obvious. It's so apparent, you know, like obviously Trevor Lawrence is elevating the play of Calvin Ridley and vice versa, Matt, you know, Ridley, I thought made Trevor Lawrence look like an, like an absolute stud. Mm-hmm. You know, you it, it's like you go into this development year 
uh, for Trevor Lawrence, expecting him to take a step forward. And my God, I mean, like, you know, again, I, I was surprised by how well Calvin Ridley just came out the gates and just absolutely lit the field on fire. But bro, you know, Trevor Lawrence did not disappoint either. You know what I mean? Like he came out and he, and he established himself and said, yeah, okay, we've taken a step forward uh, with the passing game. And, and he looks like the absolute real deal. It's so similar. I think this dynamic to what I said earlier with Calvin Ridley's is the Stefan Diggs and Trevor Lawrence is the Josh Allen here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so similar because you look at Josh Allen's rookie year, he is thrown to like Robert Foster and Zay Jones, ironically, who's on the Jacksonville Jaguars yeah, now. But it was like right. Zay Jones as a rookie who was he had like a 36% catch rate that year, I think, with Josh <laughs> Allen or, or something like that. You know, it was Kelvin yeah. Benjamin. I there mean, it was like, I mean, dude, was Kelvin awful. Benjamin, it was LaShawn McCoy. And then in year two, and, and again, you go back and look at Trevor Lawrence's rookie season. He's throwing to like Laquan Treadwell and right. um, LaVisca Chenault, who's not on the roster anymore. You know, it's, a, it's, and he's obviously he's got Urban Myers, a head coach, which is even worse, right? That's even yeah, more yeah, of a yeah, disaster. Yeah. Right. That's worth, that's worth like five <laughs> Kelvin Benjamins uh, having Urban <laughs> Myers, your head coach. And then in year two, Right. Josh Allen, then or I'm not sure it was year two, whatever, but um, at some point, then they add Cole Beasley and John Brown, and like, all right, let's get this thing to a professional receiving core. And Josh right. Allen isn't perfect, but there he did play pretty well with those guys. And then you get to year two for Trevor Lawrence. It's Christian Kirk. It's say Jones. It's Evan Ingram. Not guys who had reached their potential in their previous spots, but Trevor Lawrence elevates them. He, uh, they elevate him just a little bit. They allow him to shine more so than what people saw in his rookie year. And then, right. you know, 2020 year three for Josh Allen, uh, 2023 year three for Trevor Lawrence, they get a dog. They got a big like a yeah, number yeah, yeah. one dude here. Like Calvin right. Ridley is the Steph Diggs in this example, uh, it, it, taking that guy to the next height. And it really is, I think going to be one of those relationships, just like with Diggs and back in Minnesota, we all knew he was a great player. We right. all know Calvin really was a great player. There's the weird layoff and stuff like that. So of that's course. where the analogy falls apart. But these two guys, I think you're right. They're going to bring out the best in each other. And like, that's just great to see. Cause we all know who Trevor Lawrence can be, but right. quarterbacks can't do it on their own. Did you watch Patrick Mahomes on Thursday night? Pa quarterbacks can't do it all <laughs> on their own. Uh, they need a little help from their boys. And you know, <laughs> Calvin really is going to help Trevor Lawrence quite a lot. Uh, Zay Jones, the aforementioned Zay Jones, seven targets, five catches, 55 yards, and a touchdown. Had a really nice 18-yarder uh, for uh, for a touchdown. I, I encourage folks to go back and watch that. That, will, that was a pretty nice score right there. Um, but really what it comes down to for me is, okay, you knew the passing volume had to come from somewhere, okay? Uh, if it's going to go to Calvin Ridley, who's it coming from? And in this particular game, Matt, it came from Christian Kirk, who I thought it was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, for me, because Christian Kirk was that guy who ended up giving up all the targets, right? Three targets, one catch for nine yards. He ran 22 routes. Um, and I bring that up because Ridley and Zay Jones, they ran 33 and 32 routes, respectively. Evan Ingram ran 30 routes. Travis Etienne ran 29 routes compared to Christian Kirk's 22 routes, right? So mm -hmm. um, what do you anticipate? Do you think, I personally think that between Zay Jones and Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram, it, it's going to be kind of a mixed bag as to whose turn it is in the offense. But every each and every week, you know it's going to be Calvin Ridley's turn, right? Um, but I don't know. The, the routes run part of it, though, is interesting that Christian Kirk uh, did run fewer routes 
uh, than Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, and Travis Etienne. Yeah, he's not really playing in two receiver sets when they go multiple tight ends. Uh, you know, Luke Farrell uh, runs six routes in this game. Brenton Strange runs two routes in this game. Like when they have multiple tight ends on the field, that's when Christian Kirk is leaving the field in favor of Zay Jones. And, you know, maybe uh, the team likes just part of that dimension better with Zay Jones there. Uh, so that was a little surprising, but it was something that we saw in the preseason, right? That was one of the alarm bells that was starting to go off from preseason was that usage for Christian Kirk. I bumped him down like my fantasy rankings because of that. Uh, you know, you had to bump him pretty low anyways, because of, uh, <laughs> because of Calvin Ridley and just how much better he is. I like Christian Kirk a lot. I'm a fan of the player. It's just, these guys are all, you know, B minus C plus type players. And now uh, Calvin Ridley has the potential to be an A tier player, you know? So, right. I'm with you though. I think the on a week to week basis, like I mean, they play the Chiefs next week, right? Like, and I know the Chiefs didn't have their best performance on Thursday night, but let's give them ten days to prepare a game plan without Travis Kelsey, or better yet, let's have them with Travis Kelsey on the field. I think that offense right. will look everybody in the offense, maybe except Kadarius Tony, will look better uh, with with Travis Kelsey on the field. But, you know, th- that's going to be a game where I think Jacksonville is going to have to have some of these ancillary guys, you know, take a step up as well. And who's to say it couldn't be Christian Kirk? I mean, like, right. I don't think he's going to have these 11, 12 target games like sometimes we'd see him last year. But I think that he is going to have his moments. But all of these guys, yeah, it's going to be this guy pops up as a number two. This guy pops up as a number two. That's sort of a rotating position. But I do think Calvin Ridley will remain the centerpiece of the of the attack. All right, uh, let's talk about Michael Pittman here a little bit. Man, uh, you talk about some alarm bells and, and red flag. Man, first half, Matt Harmon, Michael Pitt. I was worried, boy. I was like, oh, my God, what have we gotten ourselves into here with Michael Pittman? Zero catches in the first half, only one target in the first half. And I was like, oh, my God, we are in trouble. But second half completely different story he's this dude saw 10 targets in the second half alone matt ended up with 11 targets total eight catches 97 yards and a touchdown a nice 39 yard catch and run caught at the line of scrimmage ran 39 yards for the score matt i was told that michael Pittman does not have yak ability i know <laughs> yeah that's true yards, uh on that yak baby uh that's pretty good stuff uh 97 yards and a touchdown overall eight catches michael Pittman. i don't know i mean obviously it was a tail two halves but uh golly he, he just absolutely showed what what he could do here with anthony richardson uh, i think michael Pittman might be one of if not the biggest week one winners at wide receiver uh coming out of here because Number one, yeah, I love that you highlighted the yak ability. It's a lot easier to run after the catch. and You always get the goofballs that are like, well, if you take out his 39-yard – yeah, if you take out his best play of the game, I guess he had a (laughs) shitty afternoon, okay? (laughs) Congratulations. You you win if that's how you like to view things. But um, yeah, that was a big thing last year. It's like, oh, this guy is getting a lot of targets, but he's not doing anything with them. Well, it's a lot easier to run after the catch when – your team is spread out and you have a dynamic quarterback that has, you know, defenses kind of second guessing what they're doing. And it's not like, how do I get, man, how is this guy going to get any yak after, uh, you know, a seven yard hitch? And that's all that his quarterback can throw, you know? So it's, uh, it's definitely a little bit different this year in the Indianapolis offense. And that was what took me by surprise. Uh, you know, I, I'm in a legal betting state now and apologies to my friends, uh, you know, who I'm not allowed to bet anything unless I tell them first. 
Uh, but I did like during the the second half of this or second quarter or something like that because Calvin Ridley was tearing it up. I threw yeah. out a parlay uh, of you know just a little little some you know a little parlay a little of some, the, some, okay. the, the live the live bet uh, over on Calvin Ridley yards, which had jumped from like I took it before the game, but it had jumped from like sixty two and a half to like. 108 and a half but i was with you man i was like this guy could have 200 yards in this game yeah, he didn't yeah, hit yeah. that but I, the other part of it was michael Pittman was at 31 and a half you know and i took the over on that that one hit quickly in the second <laughs> oh, half yeah, yeah because right i guess it's a little bit like i said tale of two halves right but the thing that i think is important for michael Pittman here is that number one he is the same target hog you know that we know he can be because he's such a good player such a mm-hmm. such a good player, man. I, he's ninth in the NFL in first read target share, thirty four point six percent according to Fantasy Points data. Again, just dominates targets. He is the number one read. Nobody else is. I think there's as much as I appreciate players like Josh Downs, who's a rookie. You know, not mm-hmm. much. I think that like Alec Pierce offers you some field stretching ability. He, he's not in Michael Pittman's class. I think he's a dominant right. like number one target getter and earner on this team. And the important thing here, James. Anthony Richardson dropped back to pass 45 times right in this game. And this was not a game as if they were just trailing the entire time. They actually led this game in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. Like there, yep. this wasn't a, just like a bunch of garbage time nonsense. The Jags took it back late in the game with a 14 point swing in like 90 seconds of game time. One of which was because of an Anthony Richardson interception. And, and he wasn't perfect. That's not at all what I'm saying, but right. there was this narrative that, the Colts were going to be this boomer ball run heavy offense. And it just never really squared with me one, because I think people don't give Richardson enough credit for how advanced he is mentally and the grasp that he has on the offense. And that's been a consistent drumbeat out of Colts camp Two, because they have pretty decent pass catchers. That's another thing I think people underrated Michael Pittman, very underrated player. And then three, I think Shane Steichen and these guys are sharp. What sharp coach would be like, and you saw Deion Jackson play in this game. Maybe it would have been different if Jonathan Taylor's out there, but like they're not running like running the the option, triple option offense or some nonsense like that with these running backs, you know? So I think the Colts offense is going to look a lot different than people think. And Michael Pittman, Mm -hmm. I I believe, will be um, the biggest beneficiary of that because he's the best player in the pass game. How did, can I ask you a question? How does Deion Jackson, Garner 19 touches and give you what, what you got 13 rushes for 14 yards, which is just like, wow, that's so bad. Uh, but then, you know, five, five catches, Matt, for 14. What the hell? How is I that mean, even? I, how is this possible? I don't get it. Um, they need a they need a different answer there. Unfortunately, rookie Evan Hull is injured now, and he's not going to be an answer. So they're running out of bodies there at the running back position uh, in Indianapolis. I mean, you know, I, I was tweeting about Thursday, Chris Jones being like, "Oh no, they, the 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 defense gave up some touchdowns." Oh no. <laughs> You know, it's like very sarcastically. Yeah. I mean, like Jonathan Taylor's got to be at home just being like, yep, I told y'all <laughs> told you, yeah. <laughs> told you this was going to happen. He uh, missed, yeah. He, no, he forced zero missed tackles, zero missed tackles in, in, uh, he averaged 1.5 yards after contact, uh, Crazy. you know, so <laughs> I, it, he, he just didn't make anybody miss, uh, Deion Jackson and, uh, yeah, 13 that was a ru- carries for 14 yards. Yeah, that I, was a rough one. That's watch. crazy. 
That is insane. That is so bad. Uh, it is incredible. Uh, anyways, uh, breaking down some of the other receiver numbers there. Uh, Alec Pierce didn't really exist in this offense, despite all those dropbacks you talked about. Alex Pierce only saw three targets, had one grab for five yards. Josh Downs, the rookie, seven targets, three grabs for 30 uh, it kind of sort of jives with what you were saying this offseason that Josh Downs playing in that slot role uh, could make himself available for a lot of targets and seven targets in your first NFL game, Matt. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's no Puka Nakua, who we'll talk about later, but it, <laughs> right, <laughs> seven targets exactly. is pretty nice. And I, yeah, he's again, I, I appreciate Alec Pierce as a vertical stretch receiver, like an X yeah. receiver, but. I, I think, you know, it's funny. We, we get this, and I, I'm sure I said this at some point too, like, oh, yeah, Alec Pierce's deep ability will be a nice fit with Anthony Richardson, you know, just chucking balls up. But mm -hmm. you know what helps Anthony Richardson a lot better than prairie yards to Alec Pierce is a dude that can get open in the short and underneath in, in the intermediate area, and that was Josh Downs, man. I, I yeah. Reception perception, loved Josh Downs as a prospect. So he's definitely somebody I, I'm going to keep my eye on here, and, you know, he will be a guy that help, is an accuracy – problem eraser for this team mm -hmm. because he's going to get both of these guys. I mean, Pittman is such a good route runner and such a good separator for somebody his size. And obviously Josh Downs doesn't have the size, but he is a really good route runner too. I mean, with these two guys, they've got something there for Anthony Richardson and just an ability to, to give him layups, right? That was another thing that stood out to me here. Right. They, I, I know they asked Anthony Richardson to drop back and, and in that way they put a lot on his shoulders, but they really cut the, the field in half for him. Uh, you know, they, which if, I don't know if you've seen the next gen stats passing chart, but it is like all on the right side of the, it is very Zoolander esque. Like they are not that's asking funny. him to turn left, which is fine. Cause <laughs> that's what you do with a young quarterback who doesn't have a lot of experience. You just cut right. that field in half for him and you sure. give him two guys that they can, that he can really trust. And, and, and that's another thing too, is that that's where, you know, mostly that's where Michael Pittman and, and uh, Josh Downs are lining up. It, it reminds me a little bit about DK Metcalf, his first, I think first eight games of the season uh, in his rookie campaign, he literally lined up on the left side and ran just verticals. Uh, it, oh, yeah, it was, everything crazy. was, everything was just up and down. Um, there was no, you know, was, there was no crossing routes, no slants, nothing. But as we have seen now, DK has obviously developed that because he's a phenomenal athlete and athletes pick up, you know, these things a lot faster than, than us normal Joe Schmoes. Uh, and, and he's got a great work ethic apparently does DK Metcalf. So we'll see what Anthony Richardson does too. But I think it's smart, like you said, to kind of start him off slow, put, put the training wheels on. It's okay. It's all right, man. You know, we're not asking you to win a Super Bowl here in year number one. Uh, go out there and do your thing. Elevate the offense a little bit. And I think that's exactly, exactly what he did. Hey, everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.
All right, for the Las Vegas Raiders, Jacoby Myers um, had an absolute whale of a game. Uh, I mean, it ended in such a sour note, man, that yeah. huge hit he took. He's in the concussion protocol now. I mean, he was out, out. Um, you know, I, I watch a lot of, um, I watch a lot of combat sports and the way that he was crumpled, I'm like, this guy is completely out. Um, and you know, it's, it was a tough scene. It was really not, uh, comfortable to watch that man. He was just so completely knocked out. So I would be very surprised, um, not only does he miss this game, this upcoming game, but I, I would imagine he's going to miss possibly a couple weeks, if not more, because that was a big time shot. But Matt Harmon, before he got knocked out of this game, this guy absolutely established himself. Uh, 10 targets, nine grabs, 81 yards, and two touchdowns. Remember, do you remember when he was in New England and he had that long streak? I think it was like 130 targets. Oh, yeah. Where he didn't score a touchdown. Um, and immediately here for the Raiders, uh, this guy just comes in and, 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 you know, Jimmy G's looking for him. Uh, and we, we, we've talked about the skill set here for Jimmy G kind of being able to throw to the middle part of the field, not really outside the numbers, you know, thrower is Jimmy G. Uh, I just felt like the skill set for Jacoby Myers fit meshed perfectly well with what Jimmy G wants to get done. Yeah, talked about Jacoby Myers very infrequently after he signed with the Raiders because, right. I mean, signed with the Raiders. But we did talk about him like in our forgotten late round receiver segment. Uh, and look, I wouldn't have told anybody to like play Jacoby Myers in fantasy in week one. But because of that brutal injury, like you said, um, I, but I couldn't believe he walked off the field. Like he got up yeah. and walked off on his own. That was surprising. Um, but I almost felt like he needed to get some deserved hype off this performance. Like you need it. He suffers his injury, but like he needs to be given his flowers because he was yeah. awesome against was the great. Broncos, you know, who we know have Patrick Sertan, who's definitely warring with Devonte Adams and, you know, Adams got his he was six, six yards, whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was just kind of striking that, Oh yeah, right. This is why the Raiders, I know it's like easy to laugh at Josh McDaniels. Oh yeah. Just getting another one of his guys and getting another one. We yeah, have, of course, classic Josh McDaniels, but Jacoby Myers is a damn good player, uh, you right. know, and, and the overlap you're right between Jimmy G where he loves to throw the ball and where Jacoby Myers is a good separator. I mean, this is a guy who's cleared 70% success rate versus man in multiple seasons. This is a good wide receiver. Jacoby Myers. I, I, I was, pleasantly surprised and obviously yeah, it ends on a sour note but i was pleasantly surprised with how well he produced in this game um just because of that overlap with jimmy and everything going on there so yeah i, I just thought he deserved a shout out as a surprising <laughs> wide receiver performance Devonte adams nine targets six grabs for 66 very workmanlike to be honest with you man you, you talk about that battle that he was having out on the perimeter with sertan man and just it was fun to watch it, it really was it just didn't result in huge numbers for mm -hmm. Devonte adams still took home nine targets though um and, and it's a really truncated you know wide receiver room there uh in las vegas jimmy g's got his guys that he locks in on that's it you know it was jacoby myers Devonte adams that was it uh, Hunter Renfro, it should be noted, played 12 snaps. That's it. 12 snaps total did not draw a single target. Um, I don't know what it is with Las Vegas. If they don't want, I, and I say this all, I said this with the jets in regards to Mims and, and, and um, Corey Davis, if you don't want to play these guys, you have to trade these guys because they are valued in the league. 
right? If you don't value them, that's fine, but find a trade partner. I, I guess I just don't understand. Now, Hunter Renfro um, is theoretically going to have an opportunity here with Jacoby Myers on the shelf for, you know, for what I think is going to be a week, if not more. Um, but if in this upcoming game, I'm just going to keep an eye on, on Renfro. And it's like, if this guy doesn't finally get playing time, I mean, remember last year it was Mac Hollins, Matt Harmon. How was Mac Hollins getting so much more playing time than Hunter Renfro? And if Renfro doesn't come out now, I think, and, you know, basically establish some kind of rhythm here. I, the Raiders would be foolish not to trade him. I think the problem is, like, there were Renfro rumors in the offseason, and Tashawn Reed of The Athletic reported that they haven't sit, received any trade offers for him. I mm. think the biggest problem here is that I think his skill set is valued in the league, but the Raiders gave him a big contract extension prior to not using him, right? that That's the crazy <laughs> thing. Yeah, uh, all right. So it's all like, right. yeah, yeah, they, yeah, right. Right. They jacked up the price on him and then immediately de started devaluing the asset. <laughs> so I don't know. That that was weird because I do think Hunter Renfro is a valuable player, but I think he quickly became like very overrated because he's a scrappy white and people just love the they're like, oh, he must be one of the best <laughs> route runners in the league. And they just they, that's uh -huh. that's like the scrappy white receiver archetype. And yeah. and he's good. He's I don't want to be like a Hunter Renfro hater, but he just like the routes, like what Jacoby Myers can do as an outside receiver, like as your flanker, like Hunter Renfro just can't do that stuff. He, there's a there's a capped ceiling there, right? So yeah, theoretically he has an opportunity here, but we'll see. I agree with you that I would love to see him in in the right offense. This mm -hmm. offense is just like even again, even though Josh McDaniels has a history with scrappy whites, like this <laughs> this is not they've wanted to be like very heavy and like get guys on the field that can block and like win with some size and be physical and run the football. And that just like Hunter Renfro is never gonna be a part of that attack because right. Okay, you know, you, you yeah, want Hunter no. Renfro blocking? No, you no, no you don't. No. Like no. he would no. be a great fit with a really pass heavy offense that needs a slot receiver again the problem there is just that uh the raiders jacked up the i don't know what it, that would be the equivalent in like the stock or financial world i don't know like can you jack up the price of your own stock and then try to short it or sell it or something because that's basically what the raiders did i don't know <laughs> Hey, yeah, what are you telling me that uh, that the Raiders pulled an Elon Musk and uh, <laughs> when, yeah, when right <laughs> there it is, there it, there is. it is, there it is. <laughs> the Raiders are Elon Musk and Hunter yeah. Renfro is Twitter. They right. bought it and just started ripping it apart. What what's the report recently that Twitter they he bought it for like forty four billion and now it's like barely worth twenty five or something like that. Oh yeah, that's God. what they've done with Hunter Renfro. Like now the entire <laughs> league's looking at it like. Yeah, you know, we already had some problems with with the dude, but like now you've made it so expensive. Oh so yeah, we yeah. Can, you can go ahead and forget it. That's great. I love it. Um, all right, let's talk about another rookie here, Puka Nagua. Man, what the hell, bro? Come on, what's going on out here? Uh, and the Rams, by the way, were a five point dog, and they shockingly beat the Seattle. Uh, almost called them the, the the Seattle Sonics, but the Seattle uh, Seahawks. <laughs> um, the Seattle Seahawks. That's how shocked I am. Like, what's going on hell here? It looks like a basketball team getting beat up by the Rams, man. Um, but the Seahawks, yeah, uh, ended up winning. I think they won double digits, right? So uh, you talk about a turnaround there. But Puka Nakua, man, fifteen targets. What? Fifteen targets. 
10 grabs for 119. Um, what were your takeaways there, Matt Harmon? I, I got to be honest with you. I was a little bit surprised. Having watched a, a, so a lot of Puka Nakua, um, you know, college kind of tape and stuff, I, I just thought, okay, this is going to be a workmanlike type receiver. That, he wasn't that here in week number one. You know, I was a big fan of, of Puka Nakua. I know and the you were. Reception perception were. in season sample: seventy four point two percent success rate versus man, seventy three point three percent success rate versus press. Like this dude can play. He fell in the draft because of injuries, and you know, he went to BYU. And he's the he is not the James Coe type, right? Not a not nope. a workout warrior. Nope. Um, not not the James Coe type of receiver at all. Uh, you know, honestly. You, you think about it, and look, I will say that I was skeptical because he's a day three rookie receiver. I like right. the player, but, you know, he's a day three rookie. Like, how often do exactly. day three rookies just get immediate opportunity? Oh, well, they do on an L.A. Rams team that is just nothing, but it's like Matt Stafford, Aaron Donald, and the kids, you know, with Cooper <laughs> Cup out of the mix. <laughs> right, and, right, right. you know, Puka gets an instant opportunity, and when you really think about it, too, he is a perfect like Cooper Cup handcuff in in a way. Okay. Like I posted the two route charts side by side. It's it's on my Twitter page. People can see like where do they use Cooper Cup a lot? Like shorten in in underneath, right? Uh curl routes, 17.2% of Cooper Cup's routes were curl route in 2022. Puka Nakua had a 85.7% success rate on curl routes mm. in his collegiate sample for reception perception. 7.6% of Cooper Cup's routes in 2022 were a flat route. Pukunuku, 100% success rate on flat routes uh, in his game sample for reception perception. But there's that underneath stuff. There's the short stuff. Uh, but he can also sting you deep and outside, like the outbreaking routes. And that was what was impressive in week one. You know, the, his ability to win on those deeper outbreaking routes, that is very Cooper Cup-esque. That's where the, the Rams take Cooper Cup, the slot receiver, and make him – a dangerous threat with Matthew Stafford who unlocks him in the vertical areas. And dude, I mean, Stafford was uncorking heaters to Puka yeah. down the field and to, and to a lot of dudes to the point that like, you know, I'm one of my biggest things I'm, I'm coming out of week one. I don't know many people that were saying the Rams are a big time value offense or a big time sleeper team. A lot more people were, and I'm putting myself in the bucket too. I didn't mm -hmm. think that about the Rams. More people no. were, were saying the Rams were like going to, tank and compete for Caleb Williams or something. I, I'm kind of like looking at all of us. I'm looking at everybody in the NFL community like, yo, did we forget that Sean McVay is a really, really good coach? And Matthew Stafford, <laughs> when he's healthy, is a really, really, really good quarterback because that's what I was watching in week one. Like Sean McVay, not this I know that this they were a star studded team and they won the Super Bowl, but think about what like the team was when Sean McVay took over. It was mm -hmm. a disaster area, and he got them to immediate competence. Like, right? What if Sean McVay gets this group with like Matthew Stafford? If he stays healthy, you know, Steve Avila was great rookie. The guard in his first start, the offensive line was better than expected, and you know, Puka playing well. Maybe Cooper Cup's coming back. Van Jefferson, he's out there. You know, Tutu Atwell, they were using him on like some cool motions and stuff. Man, like the Rams' offense was one of the most uh, surprising, and maybe shouldn't have been so surprising units in Week One. Uh, well, I'll say this. I just think from a talent perspective, I don't think there was, there's just not that much on the table. I, I do think this though, a lot of folks were double counting the Cooper cup injury, uh, or mm -hmm. the Cooper cup going on IR, right? Because you're double counting it. Like they already knew he wasn't going to play 
in week one. It's not like that was a late breaking development. It's like, no, we already knew he wasn't going to play. Yeah. Um, and, and, and then once he, once it got announced that he got put on IR, it's like, oh yeah, we're, we're double counting that injury, right? We're like, oh man, the, the Rams are going to stink, right? Now that being said, listen, they, I, I mean, they go up to Seattle five point dogs and they just, I mean, house them by 17. That's mm-hmm. man. I gotta be honest with you. That, that, that I don't care how, how you break it down. That's a surprise. You know, I mean, the fact that Sean McVay is getting this kind of production at a two-two at well, bro. <laughs> I mean, come, come on. I mean, we look. You're saying, did we all forget? No, we didn't. I, I don't know if we all forgot, but I mean, talent still is the number one thing here in the NFL. And I just feel like they didn't really have that talent level, especially on the defensive side of the football. Man. Oh yeah, I that thought, was surprising. I mean, 13 points for the for the Seattle Seahawks, a team that. Uh, you know, again, we thought, okay, Geno Smith, he's the real deal. They've got two great wide receivers in DK Metcalf. What, bro, what in the hell happened to Tyler Lockett? I mean, Lockett was nowhere to be found. Four targets, two grabs, 10 yards, 10 yards for Tyler Lockett. Crazy. I mean, that, that, that to me was a big time surprise. So I think the defensive, from a defensive standpoint, um, I was probably the most surprised, the most shocked uh, in regards to what we got there on Sunday. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, that is a young team, even younger than the guys on offense, right? Um, but they do still have Aaron Donald, and Aaron they Donald kind of took that game over. And, dude, if we were surprised by the Rams' <laughs> d- defensive performance, I think the Seahawks were even more surprised because they lo- were, like, losing their composure by the end of it. You know, they were oh, yeah. pissed. DK was – like shoving yep. Akella Witherspoon to the ground. He was clear, you know, that that was a team that was kind of coming unraveled there towards the end because I think they, I don't know, I wonder if I wonder if the Seahawks came into that game thinking like, yeah, we'll handle this so. little JV Rams team and then, I and think then so. they got snuck up on, which, you know, I, makes me think that maybe we'll, we'll probably see a better Seahawks team uh, in week yeah. two against the Lions and, you know, a team they've played before. So yeah, I, I I'm not panicking about the Seahawks or anything like that. I think they'll be fine, but I'm right. definitely thinking coming out of this that like because Puka Nakua again, it, and I think he'll have a role even when Cooper Cup is back. You know, I think he'll have he'll play. Um, they'll continue to get Tutu Atwell on the field because he he does bring sort of a speed dimension and again that pre snap motion stuff. Right. But uh, I think Puka is going to earn himself a role here because he just fits really well with what this team likes to do. They used to kind of use Cooper Cup and Robert Woods sort of interchangeably. And I feel like they could right. maybe use Cooper Cup and Puka interchangeably as well. So that I was just about to bring that up. It, it was hard not to watch Puka Nakua and not, you know, see visions of Robert Woods uh, in that offense. You know, we're, we're talking about a guy that was, um, you know, 60, 40 outside inside in Robert Woods. It wasn't quite that split. Um, it was more like 65-35, I think, for Puka Nakua. He played about 65% of his snaps uh, on the outside. That's why I was, again, I'm, I was very surprised because Seattle is not a good defense, right? Um, but what they did do well last year, with especially because of Reek Woolen, they really limited the production of outside wide receivers. As a matter of fact, I think uh, I'll, I'll pull this up real quick here, but Seattle uh, ha- gave up. Um, what was it? Uh, the second fewest yards per game to wide receivers lined up outside. 
The 6.44 yards per target allowed was the third best in the NFL when you're just examining wide receivers lined up um, on the outside. So, and again, obviously a lot of that has to do with Tariq Woolen. Um, so I, again, just with Puka Nakua lining up 65% outside, I, this, it makes this performance even more surprising. Mm-hmm. I really thought that if they were going to get some production out of Tutu Atwell or Puka Nakua, it would be because Nakua lined up inside, but it wasn't really the case. Like they really were just interchanging these wide receivers all over the field. And Van Jefferson was kicking inside. Then he was playing outside. And, and it, it, it seemed to me like it created a lot of confusion uh, for the defense on the other side. Yeah, it's pretty cool to see, man. I, I love any time a receiver room has some interchangeability like that. And I do think Puka is a guy, you know, that I wrote about this that he, you see him play a lot of different spots. I still think the best stuff is when he's off the line of scrimmage and um, when he can get going in the middle of the field. I mean, much I don't want to sit here and say like he's the next Cooper Cup or something like that, but he does have similar like marks in his profile where he is like got a workmanlike yak approach. He's mm-hmm. he sneak up on you from an explosive standpoint, got good contact balance, great hands, and just I, I outlined sort of the route running stuff where they're similar. So I think the Rams hit on Puka, that's yeah. for sure. Uh, I'm going to stay with this team and kind of go to a, a different direction in terms of the show. But here, here are some lies, okay, that they sold us this offseason. I'm using air quotes to say they because I'm part of this problem as well. Uh, but I, I'll tell you where I wasn't a problem. I'm going to stay with the Rams here, okay? Yeah. Cam Akers. We were being sold the, this idea that Cam Akers was going to be this workhorse back, that the Rams were marking this dude as like an every down clear-cut, unquestioned starter in their backfield. That was so far off the base. And <laughs> and I've been trying to tell people, like, what are we doing out here, guys? We saw it last. This dude almost got kicked off the team. He almost got kicked off the team, Matt Harmon, and people are acting like that never happened. I just don't understand. <laughs> the Rams are clearly okay with not playing cam Akers, they're clearly okay with potentially moving on from cam Akers. so what did we see here in week one yeah did cam Akers get the quote-unquote start yeah sure he did but kyron williams outplayed him played more snaps than cam Akers. i hate to break it to all the cam maker bros out there but guys it's not gonna happen what are we basing this eval on too like pre-achilles tear cam Akers? it's just it boggles the mind Matt Harmon, like how much we are willing to overlook with a player like Cam Akers uh, and just projecting him as like this, like solid, got to get him fourth, fifth round, going to be a great, (laughs) he's going to be a great running back for you in fantasy. Like, nah, that dream is dead. That dream is dead now, man. Like, so that was a big time lie uh, that a lot of folks were trying to sell you that Cam Akers was going to be the unquestioned leader in the clubhouse for this, uh, for this Rams running back room. Um, but man, there were a, a few other ones and I want to pick your brain on this, Matt. What about in Atlanta dog? Uh, what happened? Yeah. This, I mean, the off season lie that they were telling us is that this offense was going to be different. Mean me, <laughs> <laughs> I'm they James. <laughs> they, they told us that this offense is going to be different boy. 18 targets. 
or 18 pass attempts for Desmond Ritter. Get the hell out of here, homie. Like, what is going on? And you know what else is crazy, dude? Dude, Desmond Ritter, 3.0 air yards per attempt. Oh, my goodness. That is disgusting. Three air yards per pass attempt? Are you kidding me, Matt Harmon? This is insane. Yeah, I... (laughs) I don't, uh, man, I, I really hope this doesn't, you know, persist all season with Atlanta. Uh, look, they won the game, right? And and I think they, right. the problem is they didn't have to do much to win this game. Like, I, right. I think Arthur Smith didn't really have to open this offense up much. I mean, the Panthers are so bad. They're uh, so bad. Bryce Young had a 0.0 passer rating on throws of 10 plus yards on Sunday. Oh my God. They have, they are so unthreatening. At this point on offense, they are so unscary. Um, I think you can not open your offense up and just run it to give it to the running backs over and over again, like they did. I mean, t- Tyler Algier was really good. Bijan Robinson was all, also electric. Yeah, um, those guys are going to be, I think, splitting splitting the work up a little bit more than people wanted to think coming into the year because mm-hmm. Algier is just a pretty good back. I, look. Desmond is not going to throw 18 passes every single game, but there are going to be games where he does throw 18 passes, especially if the defense is better. Um, and the defense looked a little bit better in week one, and they, they've they added some bodies along the way. You know, Calais Campbell, some guys there that followed uh, their new defensive coordinator over from New Orleans too. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, but I am definitely among the group that was like, things will be different in Atlanta this year. And um, the quarterback, I mean, he wasn't great, but uh, he was better. He wasn't killing drives like Marcus Mariota. But he certainly wasn't, uh, you know, somebody that's going to help us get get fantasy production for our receivers. So, you know, Drake London with the zero spot. I know that hurts. Oh, he had two oh. one catch games last year, you know. So this is possible with Drake London here. But yeah, I'm I'm hoping for better days ahead. But uh, I would definitely be among the they that needs to kind of take the L <laughs> after week one. Uh, Drake London, zero point zero 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 yards, zero point zero 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 catches. Ah, uh, he did lead uh, the team in routes run, 20 routes run. But again, 18 pass attempts total for Desmond Ritter. I, I just, to your point, man, if they are in a competitive um, game script and it's not like, listen, it's not like they buried the Panthers. Um, they never led by, you know, anything more than, you know, seven points, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, you know, I mean, obviously they won 24, 10, but that was, you know, uh, again, a a late score. Um, but this was a very close and competitive game all the way throughout. As a matter of fact, uh, Carolina did have the lead at one point in the second half. They led 10, seven, right? So uh, even then Arthur Smith, he's totally fine running that football, giving it to Tyler Algier, giving it to his explosive rookie. Um, in Bijan Robinson, it's just, it's hard to imagine with what we saw last year and what we saw here in week number one, it's hard to imagine Arthur Smith opening this bad boy up, um, unless absolutely necessary. It's like a break in case of emergency type of situation. You know what I'm saying? It's really hard. The guy you drafted eighth him overall, and the guy you drafted fourth overall, break in case of emergency. You know, in, 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 in <laughs> I know exactly. It's crazy. 
Uh, but yeah, man, um, I, I don't see it. I mean, unless unless we go into a game where Atlanta's a heavy dog and, and they've got to really come from behind, or maybe they're going up against an offense that you know is going to put up a lot of points. It's really hard to project uh, it being different than last year. Uh, and, and you know, uh, we thought that there may be a step forward. There's not a step forward, man. <laughs> it's not a step forward. Arthur Smith is this weird dude. I think he, I, honestly, I think he enjoys it. I think, I think he enjoys, so too. I think he enjoys winning football games this way. I think he does, you know? Well, also like, I think you can't tell me that he doesn't enjoy like ribbing it to fantasy people. You know, I think oh, he knows how he much he loves it. You see Greg Alman tweeted out about like, uh, where he ba- basically said like, yeah. you know, they're asking about Drake London and, He's like, uh, we don't care about that. Let the fantasy guys worry about that. You know, Drake. Lund- I don't care. Drake London doesn't care. All we care about is one and zero. Well, I don't know, man. I, I we'll, we'll see. Uh, I still like. I do like Arthur Smith's offense. I, I, I yeah. go to the grave saying I like his pass game designs. Just the the volume's a problem when it does come to fantasy. But you can't tell. You can't tell me he doesn't enjoy that. He's like a cantankerous oh, guy. Him. He, he enjoys he loves it. Him. I don't care what he oh, says. He lo- he's like he's like a, he's like a half step removed from Dave Gettleman doing the whole keyboard in the basement thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, man, I think he's, he's more he's aggressive. Like- I think he's more <laughs> aggressive about it. He, nobody's up there asking him about fantasy. They're asking him about a player they drafted really high, and you know he gets one yeah. target or something. But I mean, he's he brings it up. Okay, so there's that's that. funny. Yeah. All right. There you go. All right. Uh, same same focus. Okay. Let's same energy here. Um, Baltimore's passing game. Brother, I, I was told, everyone was told that there would be more passing in Baltimore. Now, you could say game script. You could. Now, you could say that, all right? But let me just throw this out there. 17 of 22 for 169, uh, zero touchdowns, one interception for Lamar Jackson. Just 22 pass attempts total, okay? We just went off the rails with Desmond Ritter giving us 18 pass attempts, okay? Lamar gave us 22, for God's sakes. All right, now, but that being said, man, 4.9 air yards per attempt. Fifth lowest of the week in the NFL. Last year, he gave us 8.8 air yards per pass attempt. And you, you take a look at the, the yards per attempt. You look at the yards per completion. They're all down, right? It's, it's all down, right? So I just don't, I, again, how much are we panicking? Are we actually buying this idea that the Baltimore passing attempt or passing attack is different in 2023 versus 2022? Yeah, I, I'm not really concerned about it, and, and it's because I think we we talk about these things. We talk about we we definitely talk about this stuff in the off season. Where, uh, and I'm pointing at me and you for for the, yes. for the podcast audience. So we we are a part of this. Where <laughs> yes, we talk 100%. about these these changes and the evolution yeah. and the growth and and what's going to be different about this offense, and we expect it to be immediate. But mm-hmm. it's not always immediate, okay? And I watched Lamar Jackson in that game on Sunday, and I see a quarterback that is playing in a new offense for the first time in his career. Guy doesn't yeah. play at all in the preseason. These are his first live reps. It's one thing repping it in practice, you know, when you can't tackle each other, and then it's another thing when you rep it for the first time in games um, without Mark Andrews, who was a late scratch. Um, True. You know, dude, Zay Flowers, bro. Oh, my God. Zay Flowers. Huge. Six, Huge 60% of the first read targets, uh, according to Fantasy Points data, went to Zay Flowers. I mean, that dude is so, so good. Um, so there are signs that these explosive receivers are going to be a part of the mix here. But, again, I think Lamar just wasn't totally comfortable. If I'm concerned about something, it's that Tyler Lindenbaum banged up. Uh, Ronnie Stanley 
banged up on the offensive Again. line. J.K. Dobbins, I mean, I feel so bad for this guy. You know, he, yeah. he gets hurt. He's going to yeah. miss another season with a serious yep. injury. Yeah, uh, just what what a rotten bunch of luck for him. So injuries could definitely mess this thing up. Injuries always seem to mess it up for Baltimore. We were so happy they fired their strength and conditioning coach, right? You know, the guy who was you know, apparently just grinding them into the dust and, and <laughs> massive rash of injuries in week one. Uh, Marcus Williams, the safety, who knows when he's going to be back. Oh, Bunch it. of injuries. Dang in it. Come on, Baltimore. I know. Come like, come on. But come I'm on. not worried about Lamar in the passing game. I think, again, the, the what we talk about, the, the change in evolution and the growth of this passing okay. offense, it will happen. It just doesn't always happen in week one. And again, to bring it back to defense gets paid too. I do think okay. by like week five, week six, we'll be, and maybe I look like an idiot and Houston gets filleted in week two. But I do think this is a young passing defense that now has a really, really good defensive play caller and designer in Tomiko Ryans. Yeah. Some of these young guys are going to like, Will Anderson was awesome in this game. Um, you know, I, I think th- this is not a, a cupcake opponent necessarily from a defense, a past defense perspective. To that point, too, it, it is fair to say that Houston's um, rush defense was arguably the worst in the NFL uh, last year. They were terrible in a lot of different metrics. Uh, and you figured that, hey, still that Baltimore is built, um, you know, they, they bring in a new offensive coordinator, but they are built to run that ball, you know, mm-hmm. so. Uh, and you know Harbaugh wants to run that ball, you know? so mm-hmm. it's going to happen. Uh, so I think that you you take a little bit of the heat off of Lamar and the offensive, you know, play calling and all that stuff just because of that, right? Like again, game script, they got out to a nice lead, and you know they they kind of sort of coasted, and, and you could run the ball. I, I can I can buy that storyline, Matt, but unfortunately, I also have visions of uh, of Russell Wilson in Denver. Where we were saying all throughout his, uh, you know, career and in the last few years there in Seattle, oh, let Russ cook. Uh, and then when, I, not what? we. No, I was not. I'm not. A, I was not a let Russ cook like. Def- <laughs> I mean, I was very skeptical of him doing okay. to Denver and doing all this. But I'm with. I'm with you. I understand. And I'm, okay. and, and I, what you're about to say, I'll just say is valid. So go ahead. <laughs> All right, you're not mean to Kimes. That's fine. I understand. Okay, but <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. Uh, okay, now that, but, but that being said, now okay, now that being said, but what we found is, is that when Russ went to Denver, he was the same quarterback. You could put him in a new offense, but he's gonna be the same quarterback, right? So, uh, I I've got that thought in my brain. In regards to Lamar, where this is a former MVP of the league, and he's probably thinking, I do what I do, and I do what I do really well. So how much of what he can do in this offense, you know, uh, is catered to what he what what he what his skill set is, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we just talked about this too. By the way, we just talked about this with Deshaun Watson and Kevin Stefanski. I think it's a little, like you said, a little bit like oil and water. Deshaun Watson could be a very good player. I think Kevin Stefanski is a very good offensive coach, but what he does might not be what Deshaun Watson does well, right? So I just wonder, are we seeing something similar to that in Baltimore? I just throw that out there with with also the idea that I don't have all the answers. And, and I come back and say, I don't have all the answers either. And that is why your point is valid. While I think Lamar Jackson can do it, and I think Lamar Jackson can transition into an offense like this, even before the season, you had to say, you can think all this, but we haven't seen it. We Mm -hmm. haven't seen him do it. We have only ever seen him 
playing Greg Roman's offense. And again, you can theorize. I, I think with obviously we do this with receivers, right? And you know sometimes it works, like Brandon Ayuk, right? Like mm-hmm. oh, he, this is what he's doing with Jimmy Garoppolo. But just imagine if he played with a guy who <laughs> plays fast and loose and is willing to shoot yeah, outside yeah, the numbers, yeah. and then you right, see right. him play with Brock Purdy, and you're like, that's yeah. it. That's what that's, that's it. what we, we got wanted it. right yep, there. We got it, baby. Yep. And it's mm-hmm. like that's freaking Brock Purdy. That's a whole nother whole nother thing, like right. But right, like that. Right, right. So with receivers, we which we do a lot, it's different. But with quarterbacks. Like that surrounding ecosystem and the experience and the reps, I think is really, it matters a lot more, which is why, yeah, you get these situations where, okay, you can theorize what Russell Wilson looks like in another offense, but then you see it in practice and you're like, yeah, this looks like a lot of the same. Um, And and I think you'd get that with a lot of different guys. And and if we get that with Lamar Jackson and and like, that's really, that is possible, right? Because we just Mm -hmm. haven't seen it. And, at the same time, you could say, all right, well, he has only ever played in Greg Roman offense. Like, let's give him time. Like, let's give him time to adjust to this offense. And, you know, uh, that is the camp I fall in. But I respect and acknowledge that your point is correct in that if we get to the end of the season um, and, and this hasn't really produced the fireworks results that we wanted, I mean, I think you can't really be surprised just because – like some guys are who they are and maybe right. Lamar is who he is. I still think it will be no matter what. I mean, maybe he's not throwing for like 5,000 yards. Okay. But yeah. no matter what, I do think <laughs> right, with right. time, this passing offense will be better simply because the designs that Roman had were so stale and right. the players that were surrounding Lamar Jackson last year. I mean, dude, all of the goofballs that, okay, I shouldn't be so mean, but all of the people that, <laughs> I shouldn't say goofballs, that was mean. But, you know, everybody that, like, immediately yeah. Isaiah likely is going to start in place of Mark Andrews and are like, oh, this is what he did last year, blah, you know, like, Trent just paced it right into this year. Look at the guys he was competing with targets for last year, Isaiah likely. Right. Look at the guys he's right. competing with targets now. So that right. upgrade in receiving talent around, Lamar Jackson, I still think that will actualize itself and do something okay. better. But your point is valid that if they're just they they keep running into this kind of ceiling, right? That and maybe that's just a Lamar Jackson thing. I, I think that is possible. I, it's not what I think, but I think that's possible. All right, <laughs> realm of possibility for sure. Um, and yeah, man, I just oh man, I, I just think about like Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. It's happened before. It's happened before where we, you know, it's like you said, we theorize and we want the best for these guys. And we're like, yeah, man, that would be great if he just adopts that. But when the, the, when the, when, when the, 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 the rubber meets the road, man, you know, and like you're under live fire, you know, you just go back sometimes and just do what you do. And, you know, and, and for Lamar, it's worked really, really well, by the way, we're talking about a former MVP. You know, who are you going to say, who are you, who, who are you to say that he should do otherwise? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, golly, guy's a good player. Uh, anyways. All right. So there you go. That's the show, man. Um, covered a lot of ground in today's episode, mm-hmm. which is great. Uh, but again, uh, for, for those of you who, um, follow us this far, man, we do appreciate y'all, man. If you guys would uh, hit us with the subscribe, uh, maybe recommend us to a friend. I don't know. That'd be a lot of fun. As that'd be well. nice. All right. Yeah, it'd be good. It'd be cool. Be sure to check out the website, receptionperception.com. By the way, I'd be remiss in not saying we've got a few pro- extra profiles up on the site right now, which is cool. And plus, uh, I am very happy to announce that we are going to be having, uh, as a regular part of the website, uh, in-season tracking 
for both wide receivers and quarterbacks. And Boom. quarterbacks. Okay, first time ever in reception perception history that we are going to give you in-season quarterback charting, and that's going to be a lot of fun from our pal, uh, QB Class on Twitter, a.k.a. Derek Classic. So there you go. Be sure to subscribe to the website, receptionperception.com. All right, for Matt Harmon, I'm James Coe. Peace. And remember, it's never too late to change your dreams.